calling it. A new podcast from News Talk for Election 2020. So welcome back to the final instalment of News Talk's Calling It podcast with myself, Gavin Riley, of On the Record here on Sunday mornings here on News Talk and also the political correspondent of Virgin Media News and Ivan Yates, presenter of The Hard Shoulder, also here on News Talk. Now, if you've been a regular listener and you've tuned into each of the 40 previous instalments that we've done in this podcast series, you'll know that Ivan went through each and every constituency ahead of the election of the 33rd Dáil and tried to predict exactly who would be coming in, i.e. calling it. And Ivan has now come back a little bit with this tail between his legs. Uh, he's, he's somewhat uh, trying to give a positive account of himself but wanted to talk about how close Ivan's predictions were to the fairly unexpected outcome that we did have in the general election and also what goes into Ivan actually arriving at his conclusions uh, in the first place. So Ivan, if you want to start with that actually, talk us through all of the various things that okay. you actually take on board when you're trying to reach the predictions well, that you Well, did. first of all, uh, I, I stood myself as a candidate in eight general elections from uh, 1981 to 2002. In 2007, I was the first bookie with Celtic Bookmares to do odds in every constituency. So that was that was pretty intense. Uh, and then 2011, 16 and 20, I was in the broadcast zone and have done it. So sure. uh, the first point I want to make is I have never seen an election in over 40 years of elections that had... I've seen swings, I've seen roundabouts, but I've never seen the type of zeitgeist that kept blowing in the same direction. In other words, all previous polls of Sinn Féin overstated what they actually got. Mm -hmm. This understated what they actually got. Even the exit poll understated what they actually got. Secondly, uh, you would often see they might spike, but then they would come back. That did not happen. So I, I, I would submit... At a 76, although someone told me it was 78% accuracy record, well below what I would consider acceptable over 85, uh, there was an extenuating circumstance. And therefore, the top line conclusion I draw from this is in terms of any punditry and predictions, we have a new phenomenon. And it's called uh, a, a youthquake because these people uh, actually, you know, this weekend they could be uh, obsessing about. Valentine's Day or Megan or about anything else. And there could be in a tizzy about some controversy about Taylor Swift or whatever. And they treated politics like this in terms of this zeitgeist sort of went viral. And so therefore, I absolutely have looked at uh, uh, David McWilliam's data, which shows that the, 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 this, this volatility in the electorate is a new phenomenon which has come from youth. I'm not, I, but I think mm. in future... It's actually going to accelerate because the combination of youthquake plus social media mm. makes everything much more instantaneous. How much of youthquake, uh, before we start deep diving into some of the predictions, was led by the fact that it was Saturday polling? Or do you think that that slightly undermined some of the, the certainties or predictions or the basis for assumptions that we've had before? Actually don't know. Actually don't know. I, 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 I would be fascinated with data uh, that would ar- arise from that. But I certainly, I certainly think that, you know, it was the cool thing to do to vote Sinn Féin. And I notice now there's a, an, another sort of post hoc row in the aftermath of people saying, oh, they now can't go to a hen at the weekend because in their WhatsApp group, there's such a spat about people patronising, how could you have voted for Sinn Féin? Mm. So, this is uh, Brexit all over again. Exactly, exactly. Version of it. So let's go through some of the things that I would say. First of all, uh, uh, the, the, there is a perception that I got it absolutely completely wrong. What I got wrong was, 
I thought the trend against the government, which was against Fine Gael and the Independent Alliance, uh, predicted most of their seat losses, right, that they wouldn't get two seats with the notable exception of Rathdown and, and Mayo. Mm-hmm. But I gave all the extra seats uh, to Fianna Fáil instead of Sinn Féin. And even in our revisions, we added a handful to Sinn Féin. Yes, it yeah. was not nearly enough. I, I have to be honest about two things. One was that... I actually saw some Sinn Féin seats like John Mythen in, in, in Wexford and I was too stubborn to change too many of them. Yeah, well, I, and I in the last before, election... Before we recorded one of the instalments, I, I remember walking in the phone call with you with the Fianna Fáil source and they were saying that basically they thought that there was a seat for Johnny Mythen and, yeah. you, and you thought... Well, there well, was a poll came out at 19%. And, and, and you thought that that would possibly be at the expense of a Fine Gael seat but that you couldn't just reconcile the idea of there being no Fine exactly. seat, which there wasn't. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And and but, but the point I'm making is also there was a throwback to the 16 election. I got ridiculed because I gave an extra seven seats to Sinn Féin at Fianna Fáil's expense and I said well I'm not going to make that mistake yeah. again <laughs> so that was the fact but I would I would just go through some of the regional variations Dude. first of all the ones I got 100% right every TD Cork Northwest Cork South Central Dublin Fingal Dublin Northwest Dublin Southwest Dublin West um, and then there was a few that I, I kind of got close but no cigar. Uh, Lee Shoffley, I, I, I overstayed. Uh, Carol Nolan, uh, I, I didn't spot. Um, Galway West, I got I had Catherine Connolly and Noel Grealish that they would hold. Mm. I, I said it would be Hildegard Nocton Noshkine uh, that would, would, would hold on. But again, I overstated uh, uh, Fianna Fáil there. The same in Kerry. Uh, uh, got, got Gino Kenny right, got a few things right. But I did not see. The, and the biggest shock to me in this election is this, the commuter belt. So people say, oh, well, people haven't forgiven Fianna Fáil. That is actually not true. In 2016, in the two Kildares, mm. in Louth, in the two Meads and, and, and in Wicklow, they actually gained seats. Mm-hmm. They, like uh, Fianna Fáil got well, two out of three. They went from being 19 to 44, so it had Exa- to be a exactly. significant enough rise. This time, this time, so we've got over the historic crash thing, right? This time, Fiona O'Loughlin couldn't get one out of three in Kild- Kildare South. Mm. Like, go figure that. You know, she, she was a sitting incumbent, should have all the advantages of that. She ends up with... A- Shane Cassells. Yeah, you know, big so, surprise so, in Midwest. So what, there, yeah. what I'm trying to say is that commuters were the most volatile and angry voters in this election. And boy, did they take it out on Fianna Fáil. So I just... I just I, I'm, a lot of this, I'm saying go figure, Gavin. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But I just want to observe that as a huge trend in this constituency because they're of a particular age, they're of a particular life story, which is long commute to work in Dublin, mm-hmm. and they probably have childcare and mortgage problems. The, the one thing that I, I'm glad that you mentioned your, your previous experience as a bookie, because any statistical model or any bookie, that they're always trying to park some of their own assumptions or some of their own native biases, because you have to try and approach these things as, as clinically as possible. Because if you start bringing your own biases to the board when you start making up a book, then you're, you're, you're destined for trouble. And I remember one uh, trend that you uh, said quite a few times, particularly when we were looking at Munster constituencies was the idea that when it came to the final days of the campaign to ward against the sort of instability or void or flux that we now actually happen to find ourselves looking at that people would say no 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 you know what we're going to do we're going to elect a government and the government that they were going to elect would manifest itself in Fianna Fáil picking up the last seat in a lot of those yes. constituencies I mean I, I don't think people would hold it against you specifically not to have seen the Sinn Féin tide coming into yeah. quite the level that it was but that undermined an awful lot particularly in Munster of, of your predictions yeah, and I, I would also say that uh, 
even after the, the Sunday night, there was a reasonable expectation in areas like Louth and, and other constituents sees that Fianna Fáil had enough votes to get a seat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what actually happened was, however bad and disappointing Fianna Fáil's election was, I thought, Jesus, that's an unlucky bounce of the ball there and here and mm. there and so on. But, 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 but actually, there were too many unlucky exactly, bounces. Exactly. It was actually ta- transfer toxic mm. that emerged. So actually there were seven seats. Like I spoke to other people, I said, because I was so exhausted on a, on a Monday morning, give me your final tally. And I was getting 46, 47 from everybody else, yeah. really sharp people mm. who actually had the first count in front of them, right? Mm. And, and, and and we went through this, like, and, and they just completely evaporated. So, and you know, Michal, came out and said well we respect the result that was in the context that he yeah, was that, clearly that, that the largest party yes. uh, they weren't as it turned out so that was the next so transfer toxic is a lesson of this election that you would have thought being in opposition and being you know that the, the, the anger was against the government that wasn't the case it was even 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 worse now some of them I also got wrong Owen Murphy versus Kate O'Connell yes Pat Breen Joe Carey Look, a lot identity within party though is always a slightly slippery thing. Well, to it, it grasp, is because it? it is a huge asset when Ivan Yates writes off your seat. Like he can actually <laughs> knock on doors and say, "You see, like Owen Murphy, I know he said it to yeah, me. Yeah. it was worth a thousand yeah. votes that he could go to, you know, inform doors and he'd say, and they say, how are you getting on? It's mm. oh, it's very very well, I know bad. No, Noel Rock in Dublin Northwest ultimately unsuccessful in his case, but he had it explicitly printed on his literature. He said it's between Noel Rock and Jim Bain's Desi Ellis for the final seat, That's and right. it turned out not to it quite be Paul so. But no, no, no. He was so the there. worst thing, and this is a truism of all elections, to be safe. You know, Michael Healy Ray was. Railing against us and that because mm. it's it's a kiss of death. You don't need the vote, Gavin. Mm. I need the vote, and we're in the same party. So what you're saying is that you're ultimately influencing the election by trying to predict it in the first well, place. Well, put it like that. that it is a hostage principle. to fortune. Yeah. It is a hostage uh, to fortune, and it does it does end up uh, that that you do it. Now the the other the other things that I did notice, if you take. I, I oscillated on James O'Connor and Cork East. You did. And Christy O'Sullivan and people like that insofar. No, I didn't see Holly. Like, and I think if you listen to the podcast, most of the shape of the election, this one's in the hunt, it's hard to call. <laughs> mm-hmm. This one's transfers will decide. I did not see Holly Cairns at all. At mm. all on my radar. But Holly Cairns is the one transfer friendliness story of this election. If you oh, want to find one outlier to the theory down. that you need to be in, in the hunt on the first count, the Holly Cairns, that's a three seat constituency. And I think I remember her being sixth on the first preferences. So that, that was always the one example that proves the, the, the exception that oh, proves the rule. It's incredible. It? Now, the, so let's, let's analyse the Sinn Fein thing. Mm. Okay. And this brings me into the process of what I do. Mm. So you, what you, I do. You is, understated the Sinn Fein result by 12 seats in the end. Correct. Okay. And, and hands up to that. So what I do in compiling this and the process is that after the closing date for nominations, I sit down for about two, two and a half hours with five people, one from each of the main parties that I have respected over 20 years of dealing with people. Mm-hmm. And I sit them down, one from Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, Labour, uh, the, uh, the Green Party mm. and Sinn Féin. And I say to them, look, everything we say is off the record. Uh, in other words, if you're saying, well, this particular candidate of ours hasn't, you know, done enough constituency work, 
the councillors, there's a bit of a row there, mm. uh, and so on. Um, and and little factors like that, they're very honest and open with me. They are spinning their ponies. Uh, they, <laughs> you know, you would add up with 199 TDs instead of 160. But they know my only interest is accuracy. I actually have no agenda, don't mm. care who gets elected. And, and, they, and they also know that they're in danger, that if they talk up some of their own, which would be the nature that you'd expect some shinners or some or some spinners, excuse yeah. me, <laughs> or some uh, Freudian slip there, some, yeah. some spinners or some party headquarter apparatchiks to do, that if they overstep state their, their claim if they say oh you know we're always we're safe we're in for two seats in, in that particular constituency then they are creating a level of expectation that it's nearly impossible to well, meet aren't it, they? And, so it's as in, it in happened, their interest to as be a it happened, blunt as I told you as I told you taking up your Freudian slip the last time I overstated Sinn Féin and so therefore I would ask them all to rate out a 10 their particular pony could be a second seat it could yeah. be whatever mm. and if they say 8 and, or they say 6 and they certainly say 9 to 10 this is certain Sometimes they would be acting on the basis of private polls, right? So some of the movement that I'm telling you about Fianna Fáil, there were there were private polls earlier in the campaign, which indicated where they added a candidate or whatever, that they actually were going much better. So mm. I think during the campaign, Fianna Fáil lost votes. But I want to make this point about Sinn Féin that I, I'll, I'll never forget. There was a particular point where we g- went through Will you get the two in Cavan Monaghan, the two in Donegal, the two in Louth? And they were bullish. And they told me subsequently, Mary Lou is in Wexford and Carla Kilkenny. Any doubts about that's okay? Any doubts about Denise Mitchell? who was definitely a doubt at the start of this campaign. Mm. She ended up yeah, with the, the highest the vote. Poll top. You, you told listeners of this uh, podcast to go away and get some free money on Michael Healy Ray. It uh, turned out uh, to be absolutely. Denise Mitchell with her 21,344 uh, oh, votes now, in Dublin And I can tell you, no one was as shocked as Sinn Féin campaign strategist and Denise Mitchell about that. If you, if you were to say before the day the doll was dissolved that she would get 12,000 votes as opposed to more than 20,000 votes, people would take the hand off you for that. So what, I, what I'm trying to say is this, that, and it's reflected in the number of candidates they ran at 42. They did not see this coming. And, and you know, let's be clear about it. maybe too much information is a bad thing in terms of the local elections and everything, mm. the deep dive. Like, because I was looking at candidates like Claire. Like Claire, like yeah, Longford like, Westmead, mm-hmm. like these candidates were and and they had lost council seats, and they had different sort of um, context to their campaign, which actually, and I remember having one, twelve also runs, and I said to my contact, I said, pick any of those, should we spend time because we're actually over time, yeah, and. He pointed to Patricia Ryan of Kildare South. But all the others, they were all elected, Mm. uh, you know. So, I mean, it is very hard and it's all in good faith. I'm Mm. not criticising anyone. Uh, So what what I'm really trying to say is, the, the unprecedented nature of this and the other thing then I made a complete mistake on is, I always believed from my own experience that 70% of the voting intentions are based on the candidate. Gavin, you're my local TD. I know you. I, we maybe go to yeah. the same hurling club. Yet you've been at my my aunt's funeral or whatever it is. And that essentially... And 30% so, is the brand. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. the tide comes in and the tide goes out. And you could tell where the tide was for different parties in this election. There was a switch to the left. But what happened this time was candidates that were completely unknown. So therefore, I'll give you the classic example... Johnny Maiden in Owlers in Enniscorthy district. Mm. He did very well in the last general election. 
he got within uh, 50 votes of getting Paul Kyo's last seat. So you'd always have him in the frame. And then comes along the local elections, he gets 500 votes and loses his seat. Now, in, he stu- stood in the by-election as well. And he got 10%, which gave him a definite chance. And, and so on. So the resurgence of Sinn Féin started sometime, in my opinion, around the time of the by-elections. And this was reflected in, in March. So I am tracing it back that it, it started to get real zeitgeist momentum at the time of the no-confidence vote. The Stormont Assembly yes. and so on all helped. But the seeds of it were, instead of saying Sinn Féin are, are infighting and Sinn Féin are a problem and Sinn Féin are going nowhere, mm. they started to change their message and they started to get going on that. So I would say for future reference, the brand needs a higher rating than the individual a public representative yeah, yeah. you're voting for and that may be a sea change particularly in the context of the youth quake um, you, uh, I'm just trying to do some of the numbers here and if you take out the areas where you predicted the wrong person holding the Fine Gael seat where you know it might have been the Sean Kine versus Hildegard Nocton or it might have been the um, the, the other examples are the, uh, Pete Pat Breen uh, is Pat, against Pat, Pat Joe Carey exactly, uh, Kate yeah. O'Connell versus so, if you, if o- there, so I think there were three of those which means that in, in all in all then there was a had, few Fianna Fáil ones okay. like Christy O'Sullivan James O'Connor had in I yeah. took him out because I said there wasn't a second because I was given Pat Buckley a seat, but he took Kevin O'Keefe's seat. Yes, yeah. So if you if you ignore those cases where the party held the seat with a different person, then you you got thirty three of the one five nine wrong, which means that you would have got one three six out of them correct, which is a fairly I think it's somewhere around seventy seven or seventy eight percent, which is decent enough. Which of the the thirty three cases where a seat changed hands within party were you most surprised by? Um. I I was I was actually most surprised that uh, so some of the Fianna Fáil ones. I was surprised that Kevin O'Keefe, uh, uh, you know, James O'Connor thought was a good candidate. Mm. I was very surprised about Cork Southwest. I mean, there's like first of all, for Fine Gael not to get a seat in Cork Southwest sent an absolute mm. tremor through the party. As you rightly referred to it, this is Michael Collins' territory yeah, and not just the independent absolutely. TD of the same name. Yes. Yeah. And, and the point about it is this, that I think culpability has to go straight to Jim Daly over this. Like, he's still a minister. Like, go figure. Mm. Like, go figure. He doesn't stand in the election, would have held a seat, undoubtedly. Two-candidate strategy with Tim Lombard and someone on the uh, western side of the constituency. Just, they end up with... No, and a few people rang me and said, don't be surprised if Fine Gael end up with no seat. I double-checked amongst the Fine Gaelers, Tim Lombard. So, very efficient campaign, likeable guy, all this. I mean, like... And also, who could have predicted... Dungarvan would have no TD. Back in the day, Jackie Fahey and Austin DC always held two seats in Dungarvan. Mm. So what you're seeing is urban areas like Greystones and Bray, Waterford City within constituencies are actually, there's a migration of votes and people and that is a trend of urbanisation. Mm, they're coming all, all the more centralised. Um, so that, that was then Cork Southwest. Any other particular ones? You also mentioned um, Holly Cairns in the same constituency. Yeah, how much just, of a surprise that was, that was to, to a lot of people. Any nightmare. other ones that, that you really sat up and went, that can't possibly be right and had well, to rub your eyes and check it well, out. Well, put it like this, Kildare South. I just, I just am still scratching my... We had Cal Berry in the frame, mm. right? But for Fianna Fáil to end up with no... They were going for two out of three. They ended up with none out of three. Like, what went wrong there? I mean, like, you know, if they'd run one candidate... Yeah. They would have got seats. But this, this was partly on the premise that we'd written off Patricia Ryan of Sinn Féin and I, I even mentioned when we were doing that profile that it had been noticed locally that she hadn't been on the trail for a lot of it because her son had booked her a holiday and she had to take the holiday and she felt duty bound to take the holiday and we thought that that might stand against her because the people of Kildare South would go 
this woman doesn't want our votes one and nonetheless f- she one, topped the vote One final small kudos to Ivan I got the Greens fairly right in Dublin I did say you know in Dublin West Dublin South West Dublin Central Patrick Costello uh, Noel Francis Duffy mm-hmm. in fact I overstated it in Nace with France but I, I did see that the middle class leafy vote would not go from Fine Gael to Fianna Fáil but would actually go there and that all actually worked out pretty well. The the one flying the ointment was David Healy who got into kind of personal stuff about the Eighth Amendment and so on. So overall, overall uh, a poor punditry performance but not as bad as my critics <laughs> would have you believe. Uh, final question then for you Ivan before we, we put the full stop on the, on this series for now of, you know the point being that we might be back to doing oh. another set of profiles before Well this is my long. last election I can tell you that uh, Oh, well, well, okay, well, that, that might make this question hypo- entirely hypothetical then. Um, short of Sinn Féin running more candidates to capitalise on the areas where they now know they have two quotas, the likes of Denise Mitchell, the likes of Mary, Mc- yep. Mary Lou MacDonald, Waterford the likes even. of David yeah. Cullinan, yeah. absolutely, who got nearly two quotas all by himself. Um, short of that, if there were to be a second election, which, as we all know, at the time of recording is something we can't entirely yeah. rule out, yeah. would it be worth even having a second election? Because how much would things actually change? Well, you could have a lot of changes within parties. You know the thing about so-and-so safe, there'd be sympathy for those who lost their seats. Mm. And, oh, if I thought Fiona Lachlan was going to lose her seat, of course I would have voted for her. That kind of thing. And and, and so on. So there's no two... I, I start in the door. June 81, mm. November, and d- then the yeah, following February, year, February. November, yeah. uh, it was unbelievable. Three mm. elections within 18 months. Mm. And did many seats change? They did, those, though, they did, really? they did. So uh, all I would say is this. Anyone predicting three years, four years, let alone three months, what's going to happen in the next election, as we've learned from the local elections, do not, do not read the data feel the temperature, feel the mood of the nation and make up your mind, put your finger in the air, mm. see what way the wind is blowing. But, but the point being that you think that the, the direction of the wind could change quite oh, a lot totally. between now and two or three months oh. when we do potentially go again. Well, I, I, I actually don't think that'll happen. I think the earliest would be early next year. Uh, but I, I actually think this doll, 33rd doll will last at least four years. All right, folks, with that final prediction, just when Ivan said he was coming out of the prediction game, uh, we will leave you. Thank you to Ivan for, for all of your patience going through thank all you, of Thank you, Gavin, uh, for being so patient, and, both on radio and TV. <laughs> uh, and thank you for having me. And thank you to uh, d- listening and downloading this podcast series. And who knows... 100,000 people did. Well, I'm glad to hear it. So who knows before we might be giving them some slightly more content to consume and download. But until then, for me, Gavin Riley and Ivan Thanks very much for listening.